the project. Kuwait. Learn. Have you ever wondered why you're not losing weight? Have you ever wondered what affects your weight loss? Well, today we're sitting down with a functional nutritionist, Lulu Al-Armeli, and she is dropping knowledge bombs left and right, going into hormones, cortisol, and supplements, well, for a brief period. So stick around, listen to this interview, and you'll come out with some questions. Oh, and by the way, if your dietitian tells you to eat McDonald's, do not do it. You'll find out a lot more in this episode. So without further ado, here is Lulua Lermeli. All this and more in today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, project. And today we are joined by the functional nutritionist and we got Liam back on board, back from China. I'm back. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so the functional nutritionist, literally like the... I don't know. I, every time I hear the functional nutritionist, I'm thinking like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I have no idea why, because you got so many things in your arsenal. Yeah. Your Instagram is awesome. Thank you. Uh, you practice what you preach. I love what I saw yesterday when you're trying out the eggs and steak for breakfast. Yeah, steak right? and eggs. Right? Yeah, steak yeah, yeah. and eggs for yeah. breakfast. Trying to, what is it, influence the hormone profi- profile. Yeah. There's this, um, not this theory, but there's this concept of hypertrophy, which obviously hypertrophy depends on muscle protein synthesis. We, I mean, the common concept of hypertrophy is being in a, requires you to be in a calorie surplus so you can put on muscle mass. There's information that has come out a long time ago, but it's being popularized popularized now by um, Dr. Gabriel Lyon. She's, well, the, this information states that you you need a certain amount of protein to trigger muscle protein synthesis per main meal. So you're better off having a high amount of protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or maybe like a fourth meal, in order to trigger muscle protein synthesis. So I'm trying that out instead of just focusing on complete calories. In. Yeah, yeah. I would do the Arnold Schwarzenegger approach, <laughs> what they used to do in the 80s. Well, I, th- I thought what they used to do in the 80s was more about like having consistent stream of amino acids in your bloodstream. Well, it was that. And like, you know, their, their breakfasts back then were like... 10 eggs and like you yeah, know, steak yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. just it was high on the protein side exactly and like it's it's a lot of i love it because a lot of the things that bodybuilders were talking about back then it's coming to fruition now when you know the medical experts are finally saying all right you know we'll, we'll take a look at this yeah so yeah, yeah. how's the experience been so far with that i literally just started oh all right oh that's awesome that's awesome um, obviously i have to train accordingly as well yeah. So I'm doing a four week intervention and I'm seeing how that goes. So what about cholesterol levels? Do you worry about that at all? Because I no. know there's been a correlation or I've, I've read yeah, this yeah, in yeah. a couple of studies that there's a correlation between having high cholesterol and higher testosterone. That the, you know, the Yeah, okay. I can understand why because cholesterol is a precursor to, um, cholesterol can be a precursor to sex hormones. So for people, like there are certain, well, men and women, if you reduce the total amount of cholesterol in your food, you actually do get reduced levels of sex hormones. And I don't worry about consuming cholesterol because you're just not going to, like, I, I mean, I'm eating for my needs. I'm not overeating. I assume if I'm eating 10 eggs for breakfast, that's probably going to do some harm to me. <laughs> but I do limit it to like <clears throat> three eggs okay. and some steak. Right. Cool, cool. Yeah. What about you, big guy? How many eggs do you have for breakfast? I'm just curious. I'm rocking like eight. <laughs> oh, that a boy. That yeah. a boy. That a boy. That a boy. <laughs> but I'm probably a little bit heavier than you, I would guess. I think you're like at <laughs> yeah. least double my size. At least, yeah. Well, our yeah. first show, I said that he was 6'7". Yeah. And about 400 pounds. And then our second show, I reduced it to about 6'2". Yeah. And 300 pounds. So. <laughs> Which is closer. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, like, I'm like six foot, I think. I think I'm just over six foot, but <laughs> I don't know how many pounds I am. I'm like 115 kilos. Yeah. So yeah, like definitely more than double. 250, like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so eight eggs is, is where right, I'm rocking So you're eating four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I've, I've found, like, just having a, a higher protein breakfast has is, is massively helped, though. Before, yeah. I would kind of, like, have, like, maybe three, four, five, something like that, like, five if I was hungry. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, then since having, like, towards the higher ranges, like, like eight, then probably sometimes, like, up to 12 in a day. Oh, like, in a day, in a day, okay. in a day, like, not 12 in one go. Yeah. Um, but, like, just increasing, increasing that, like, especially at breakfast time, I found, like, energy-wise, I've actually, for the rest of the day, been That's so awesome. much better. Do you, eat a, do you eat them every day? Most days. Okay, okay. Like, it's kind of like a full-back breakfast. Like, I just know that I can just make... Do you go full eggs. yolks or do you do four and four? I usually do. Like, I'll do... If I do my four eggs, because, yeah, I'm happier sized. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do four eggs, two yolks, and then, you know, four egg whites. Um, I'll usually just put all, all the yolks in as well. Like, cause I kind of, I tend to eat, like, kind of less fat throughout my day, unless I'm kind of having, like, red meats and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of saw that I was, like, needing to get those fats in, needing to get that cholesterol in as well. But also, I used to have a lot of egg whites, and I didn't feel great off it. So, yeah. like, kind of my diet is kind of like a little bit more like I, I was like, <laughs> do try things, see how I feel, um, and yeah, I just felt amazing from having so many eggs. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So let's let's dive into some of these questions that I actually sent you. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into it. But, but actually, I, hey, you know, everyone wants to know how they can up their testosterone and you know put on yeah. some muscle bulk. So I mean, you can't go wrong with it's, that. Actually, if you co- like, maybe we'll discuss it in this in the. No, no, go um, ahead, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Well, if you cover the basics, you should be set. Like the problem is, people ignore the basics and go straight into like testosterone boosting supplements or even testosterone supplementation, where they're injecting testosterone. But if you do the basics really well, you will have an appropriate or an optimal um, secretion of testosterone. Um, And the basics include managing stress, sleeping, because those things affect something called the hypothalamus pituitary gonadal axis, which is something in your brain that tells the testicles to produce testosterone. Um, So if you optimize that, you'll optimize testosterone production. Okay. It's quite simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it makes sense. I mean, when I was when I was sleeping more. Yeah. Before you know, before having a child, (laughs) and I actually got a lot of sleep. It was easy for me to put on muscle. And even even a couple years ago, when I wasn't stressed out at work, and I was you know going to bed like at eight o'clock, waking up at you know five thirty or whatever, and I'd hit the gym, dude. It was it was it was like magic. I'd lean out in a month and a half. Yeah. Again, I was thirty. Four thirty-three at the time, so there's a big difference. But I mean, it makes sense. You know, it totally makes sense. And, yeah. Um, so, why are you so passionate about nutrition? I don't know if I'd say I'm passionate about nutrition as in food per se, but I'm really passionate about the human physiology. I just think it's incredibly fascinating how our body is composed of so many different systems, and these systems interact with each other. And in order to influence one system, you want to look at a different one. And I just genuinely think it's so fascinating how you can improve someone's health just by adjusting their physiology. And nutrition or food is the key to that. Um, even when you're talking about like improving hormones or improving specific organs like liver function or thyroid function, some of those things depend on nutraceuticals or supp- like some of those things require the help of nutraceuticals, which is still rooted in nutrition. What's nutraceuticals? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Let's, let's bring it back okay, down okay. to the average guy so that, that everyone, you know, the office guys are understanding. He knows what you're talking about probably, but I have no idea. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay. 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 Very simple. <laughs> Nutraceuticals are basically just uh, supplements composed of herbs or nutrients in super physiological doses or higher doses than you would need in, 
in a maintenance phase to induce a certain response that you're looking for. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we're looking at each other like, like, we're like, oh, we okay. Can we break it down a little simpler? <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, supplements. So, if, there we yeah, go. if you're trying to like improve your health through supplements, that's still nutrition because they're, they're, they're nutrients or herbs okay. or concentrated food. So right. simple extra, enough. Extra, extra, <laughs> things, extra things to add to your diet to help you achieve a So, goal. like the, yeah. Omega, yeah. the omegas and exactly. the vitamin Ds and, you know, whatever exactly. else. Exactly. All right, that's pretty cool. Now, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've seen in Kuwait and in the Middle East? We were talking about the bodybuilders earlier, about the hypertrophy stuff, yeah. and how they eat, and how you see a lot of these guys that, you know, or I see a lot of the guys on Instagram, I don't know about you, that say, oh, you know, cut carbs, cut carbs, cut carbs. What's your take on that from a nutritionist, a functional nutritionist perspective? And if people are looking for the hypertrophy of it with the performance. I think that the reason there's so much controversy about it is because it really depends. Like there's going to, there's always controversy about topics when high carbs works for a certain group of people and then low carb works for a certain group of people and everyone's like imposing their views on what worked for them. The thing with carbohydrates is it depends on your physiology. So if you are a very healthy person, you have good insulin sensitivity and good insulin sensitivity basically means that when you do eat carbohydrates, your body can use it and process it for energy and store it in muscle. Okay. If you have, if you're healthy and you have good um, insulin sensitivity, carbs are amazing. There's no need to cut them out. You can actually use them to lean out if you want to. You can use them to improve performance. Um, you can use them to sleep better. But the problem is for people who have insulin resistance, which can occur up to 10 years before it shows up on a blood test. For people who have insulin resistance, they can't process carbohydrates efficiently. For that person, low carb would work better for a short period of time when it comes to body composition, but it may be detrimental to their performance. Because we know that when it comes to athletic performance or bodybuilding, um, carbs are king. Maybe not necessarily for hypertrophy in terms of like the physiological response, which we were just talking about, like muscle protein synthesis, but definitely for endurance training, anything that requires high levels of glycogen. So bodybuilding, like if you train two times a day, if you do Liam, you, you add to it, like what kind of training requires high volume? So like anything where you're lifting heavy weights, right? <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. you, you want to produce a, if you're trying to produce a performance in that kind of, you want to deadlift even like 100 kilos or 150 kilos or 300 kilos. Yeah. Like it's going to be something that's explosive. It's going to be yeah, something exactly. that requires carbohydrates. If exactly. you're doing sprints, if you're doing high intensity interval training, you're trying to lose fat. Like it's going to be things like that, which are going to, if you want to be running faster, then you're going to need carbohydrates. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And also, it's it doesn't have to be an all in our, all or nothing approach. So for people who, so let's say like a lot of women try to lose weight. So the common thing that they do is they do a lot of high interval, high intensity interval training, and they cut out carbs because they think it's going to lean them out. But the problem with that is if you cut out carbs, you actually reduce your power output. So you think you're training really, really hard, but because you're really tired because you don't have carbs to fuel your workout. But, you know, the, in reality, your power output is really low, which means you don't actually burn as much calories or as much fat as you would if you had a small amount of carbs in your muscle glycogen. And that's definitely something you can manipulate by um, maybe going lower carb, but not zero carb or eating post-workout to replenish muscle glycogen stores or eating before you sleep, again, to replenish muscle glycogen stores. So... It, yeah, it's a complicated way of saying it really depends on the but person. The, like it depends on your goals. That's what I love about you, the, the message you usually preach on Instagram. Last <clears> night you had a post 
where you're like, I'm taking uh, A, B, and C because I've been traveling a lot. Yeah. And then you said, I don't post my supplements yeah, because it yeah. depends on you. <laughs> exactly. And that is, that's a, it's so true. Yeah, because I got like, I got a bunch of messages being like, oh, like, you know, what did you, like, can you please give me the supplement name? And I was like, I blocked it out on purpose because I did. I blocked out the brand and the supplement name because there's, you know, you and I can have the same symptoms. And I say this a lot, like two people can have the exact same symptoms, but unless you understand human physiology well enough um, and you understand like the person's history well enough, you're not going to be able to treat effectively because, you know, I may be extremely fatigued because of one kind of dysfunction and you could be extremely fatigued because you're not getting enough sleep. So I can't give two people the same nutritional approach or the same supplemental approach if, you know, if their histories are different. That's actually, and I think that's the best part, you know, about why I follow you on Instagram. No, no, it's it's following the legit people these days. Because when someone comes on and they're like, oh, you know, this supplement, this, 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 and this. Okay, but that might not suit your body type. You know, that might not. I mean, me, me and Liam could go lift the same amount of time, same amount of weight. Well, same amount of time. (laughs) Yeah, I took back the same amount of weight. (laughs) We could go go and both lift for two hours. Yeah. And then he's fine after workout, but I feel that that hunger. You know, like I had a tough workout on Wednesday. Yeah, on Wednesday. I had a pretty tough workout on Wednesday. I wasn't feeling good. But ever since that workout, I added two other exercises, and I've just been eating nonstop. It's like every time I see food, my body's just telling me, feel me, feel me, feel me. Whereas, you know, someone like him could go and, you know, he'll be fine after a workout and, you know, nothing affects him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what I love about some of the things you post. It depends on you. Yeah. That's that's the best part. Yeah, and I think that's, like, that's what, you know, that's what when I say functional anything, like functional nutrition, it's about understanding this is why I say I'm interested in human physiology because it's understanding how the body works and then different people respond to different stimulus in the environment differently. They respond to, um, dif- you know, food differently. Um, their genetics are different. Like we were just talking about genetics. Um, something I find to be really interesting is, um, there is this common, well, it's not a theme, but a lot of people talk about detoxification and they promote detoxification supplements. And they say, you know, if you have too much estrogen, then you can take this, that, this supplement that, detoxifies so much estrogen. But if you don't know your genes, then you can't really give anyone detox supplements. Because some people's like phase... Okay, I'm going to try to explain this in layman terms. Right. So, I'll ask questions. Don't okay, worry. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so we have three phases of detoxification. Okay. Phase one takes toxins and turns them into reactive intermediates. Okay? So would that be like toxins as in heavy metals, stuff like yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, environmental pollutants. Xenoestrogens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Okay, all right, okay. So you take toxins, phase one takes toxin and turns them into reactive intermediates. Now, you don't want reactive intermediates because they're very reactive. They can cause free radical damage, DNA damage, mitochondrial damage. So you want these intermediates to be switched or transformed what into phase two. What does mitochondria do? Just oh so you, my God. Just I so you can, just the, the, the easiest way, just so you could break it down for the listeners. Energy production. Energy and when production. we say energy production, we're talking about actual energy. We're talking about ability to utilize fat for fuel, um, ability to utilize carbs for fuel. So fat loss as well falls into energy production. Mood falls into energy production. A lot of people with dysfunctional mitochondria actually have mood swings because it's also in your brain. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Awesome. No, awesome. Yeah. All right. You can continue on that point. We're going to circle back around to okay, the, okay. the fat reduction. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Phase one transforms toxins into intermediates. You don't want intermediates. And then phase two kind of takes these intermediates and makes them, makes, makes them excretable by the body. Okay. So it's, People who has real who have really high phase one 
or who have an upregulated phase one detoxification pathway will produce a lot of intermediates. And if you give someone a detox supplement that only has one, only has phase one support, thinking you're going to like upregulate their liver's ability to, to detoxify, you're actually creating more intermediates that the body can get rid of as efficiently because you're not also supporting phase two. So they end up worse off than if you had just given them no supplements whatsoever. So does that make sense? <laughs> I'm looking at Liam. Yeah, yeah okay, that so, makes sense. Um, so basically, so, what you're saying is, if if say, if someone has someone's been recommended a, a detox supplement, yeah. um, and it might be a, there's obviously there's hundreds of different detox supplements yeah. out there, but it might be a supplement that just only helps with one section of the yeah. detoxification yeah. pathway. But that one section, and if in itself, when it's not connected to the other sections, can actually be more harmful exactly. than good. Exactly. So yeah. So if that one person who's who has a problem with that section is kind of is doing more, and that is that the the supplement is helping that, it's not helping the actual person exactly get rid of anything. Kind of exactly, and that depends on genetics because some people yeah. have an upregulated because phase everyone's one. different. Yeah, right? everyone's yeah. different. So. so when you break it down to like the, the the average person, when their nutritionist or their doctor or someone says, "Oh, you 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 definitely need a detox." What are some of the first steps they should take before they go and do a detox? Should they get, you know, um, blood tests done? Should they get any testing done beforehand? Because these days, detoxing, like you said, is a hot topic. Mm, it is a hot topic, are, A lot yeah. of people are saying go and do it. The supplements that are being sold. Now, what would you say to, to caution people, you know, before going ahead and doing something like that? Um, okay, that's, I, I can answer that in a long way, but I'm going to try to condense it. So <laughs> basically... Most nutritionists don't know how to actually detoxify. Like I have seen your average nutritionist like detox protocol. It's calorie restriction, some form of fasting, um, some juicing. form of clean food. Yeah, juicing. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of juicing because it just doesn't provide your body with the required nutrients to actually detoxify. So unless they're giving you supplements, they're probably not harming your detox pathways. They're just really not enabling your body to detoxify because detoxification is very complicated. The easiest way to detoxify is to remove like remove exposure to toxins. Okay, and then we'll, we can get into that um, later because I know it's related to hormones as well. Yeah. So caution-wise, just be wary of anyone who's giving you supplements if they haven't like fully explained what they're for, if they haven't fully explained why you need them, if they don't have da- data to back up your need for these supplements. And I, I will, I will go to say that people who are well informed in detoxification should know what supplements to give and what not to give. But then just make sure they're not your average typical like dietitian or like you know PT yeah. turned nutritionist, which I have nothing against. But like you know, you can't be detox recommending detox supplements if yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. have a background. No, no, I agree with you 100%. And yeah. I think that's one of the things we stress on this show is everyone that comes on here, everything we talk about, we want to make sure that it's the right background, giving the right information to the right people yeah. that need it. Exactly. Um, so speaking of that, circling back to one of the things you said earlier, uh, what are your views on metabolic damage uh, through caloric deficit and increased exercise? Because I, I just just a little bit of a background, we were mm-hmm. we were talking, we were chatting a week or two ago, and I brought up a you know workout mo- modality, so we could get into that a little bit later yeah, after this. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know that's why I threw this question in there, so we could talk about it a little bit. Okay, I'm I'm curious to know what you guys are talking about. Okay, so let's let's separate metabolic damage into two categories. True metabolic damage and perceived metabolic damage. There are, you know, a lot of people think they have metabolic damage because they diet and they don't lose weight. And the 
were some studies that show that people who were convinced they had metabolic damage were actually overeating by a thousand calories and weren't aware. Like, or they thought they were eating like a thousand to hundred calories and were actually eating a thousand calories more. So it's really important, first and foremost, to track what you're eating so you can actually discern whether or not you have metabolic damage. And then from another perspective, like we can look at true metabolic damage, which does occur with prolonged calorie restriction. And it occurs through the, uh, that, like the calorie restrictions effects on our hormones, uh, notably the thyroid. When we talk about metabolism, we're really talking about our thyroid function mostly. So what happens is like when you're in a prolonged calorie deficit, you, you put some kind of stress on your body. So you have like physiological stress and you also trick, not trick, but like you also send the signal to your body that you're in some kind of starvation mode. Um, and your body kicks in into this evolutionary, um, process of protecting you from starving to death. So it actually downregulates your, uh, thyroid. The problem with that is for people who do strict diets, let's say for like two to three weeks, not strict, but like severe calorie restricted diets for two to three weeks. When you go back to eating normally, your thyroid doesn't recover. So you would have metabolic damage for someone who's like yo-yo dieting. They eat like really low calorie and then they go back to eating what they were normally eating and they gain weight on it. And then they restrict again, which means their thyroid function downregulates again and they go back to eating normal food and they gain weight. So every single time they diet, they're actually damaging their metabolism more and more and more. So it does exist. It's just that you have to be really honest with yourself about whether you are actually restricting your food or not. And the only way to do that sometimes is to track, like using my my fitness pal or food logs or something along those lines. Well, my fitness pal is a good one. I've I've used that previously in the past. Yeah, you can't really go by the macros per se because I mean it's some of the macros I found discrepancies between my fitness pal and three other yeah, uh, yeah, sites yeah. I was using, yeah. and it's you know I found it with white rice mainly. Interesting. Yeah, like that's that's the biggest that was the biggest discrepancy I found. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but at the end of the day, if you're tracking and you're within seventy percent, I think exactly. that's a good would that be a good benchmark yeah, for people? Yeah, exactly. And also, um, like okay, so the way I write my meal plans, like the way I calculate the calories and macros for my clients is probably different than the way someone else does. And it's probably different than the way a milk company calculates macros. But the thing is is if you're consistent with one person, then the difference in the way you're eating will will still elicit a, you know, a, res- a response. So let's say I'm calculating, I'm trying to put someone in a consistent calorie deficit. So I start 1800 calories based on my way and then do 1600 calories based on my way and then do 1400 calories based on my way. They're still probably getting like that 200 calorie deficit, whether it's actually 1800 calories or 2000 calories. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. So the same way with my fitness pal, if you're using like the same, let's say you're tracking steamed white rice and you use that same what is it called? Like that same choice every single yeah. time and use it like for a prolonged period of time, then if you're increasing your food intake or decreasing your food intake, it will reflect. Okay. Does that All make right. sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That definitely makes sense. Now, here's a question for, uh, for, for Meg because she's not here. Sourcing your food. You'd mentioned like a meal prep company. Mm-hmm. Now, what about when it comes to sourcing your food? We have a lot of meal prep companies that are jumping out on the market, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying they're all bad and I'm not saying they're all good. I don't. I don't have a preference to any of them. Yeah, yeah. But I am saying she always talks about, she, Meg's talked about sourcing your food a lot and where it comes from and how clean it is and whether it's organic. And, yeah. You know, now what about these meal prep companies? Because some people will say a calorie, you know, a calorie is a calorie. But in reality, I mean, I'll let you answer that. It's not, <laughs> right? I mean, okay. like a donut isn't yeah. equivalent to eating, you know, if a donut's 300 calories, it's not equivalent to eating 300 no. calories of something, you know, good no. and organic, like, you know, 
meat and, you know, sweet potatoes, for um, Yeah. Well, I don't like referring to food as, like, good or bad, generally speaking. There are certain foods that have, like, beneficial effects, and then there are certain foods that have negative effects or detrimental effects to your body. But if we're looking at if we're looking at them in terms of calories, and if you want a beneficial effect versus detrimental effect, something that's super processed, your body is not going to expend so much energy to digest it because it's so processed. Like you don't have to break it down. You don't have to break down the fiber. You don't have to digest and assimilate, you know, like proteins. Like it's already kind of, it's very easy to digest versus um, if you're eating a salad with protein, you have to spend a lot of time digesting that food in order to like extract nutrients from it. 300 calories on paper from a salad is more or less. So 300 calories from a salad is very different than 300 calories from a donut because you're actually going to spend more energy digesting the salad than you will the donut. So you'll be in more of a calorie deficit from eating salads than you will be from donuts. Whether or not that's enough to create a noticeable difference, I don't know. Like, is it like three extra calories or is it like 300 extra calories expending that, I mean, uh, digesting that food? I don't know. But definitely, there's a definite difference. And what about uh, exercise? You know, like over-exercising and, you know, like how that can... I've heard you can over-exercise and damage your metabolism through over-exercise, you know, over, Mm -hmm. you know, just over-stressing the body. What are your thoughts on that and your background? Because you are a a personal trainer too, right? Yeah, strength and conditioning coach. Strength and conditioning coach, sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's different. So when you're talking about exercise, you you can think of it as over-exercise or under-recovery. Ideally, in an ideal world, you could be exercising really hard, but then fueling your body by eating a large amount of food to fuel your workouts and sleeping really well and making sure you're not putting yourself in an, uh, your body in an inflammatory state. So I'm just arguing that people can exercise a lot if they take care of themselves in every other way, okay? And that may not necessarily count as over-exercising, but... Whether or not you're over-exercising or under, whether you're over-exercising or under-recovering, you are going to put physiological stress on your body and your body perceives stress the same way. Whether that's mental stress or life-threatening stress or physical stress, it's going to have the same exact reaction. So if you're training really, really hard for a really long period of time, not recovering enough, not eating enough, you're going to raise the stress hormone called cortisol. And when you raise the stress hormone, cortisol actually inhibits conversion of thyroid hormones from an inactive form to its active form. So when you have a lot of physical stress, you don't get the active form of thyroid. And I just said like thyroid is your metabolism. So your metabolism slows down and you do get metabolic damage um, because of the amount of stress you just placed your body under. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. That's, 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 some, that's some deep news right there. <laughs> that's, some, that's some good stuff right there. No, because like I, I was, you know, me, me and Liam, now I'll tell you what, what we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Give me some context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to see what your view was before I threw it out there. Just, okay, okay. just so I wouldn't taint the, <laughs> yeah. your you know, your your opinion. No, because we I um I sent him a post. Yeah. Of uh you know a couple of fitness modalities mm-hmm. that it's basically thirty minutes of cardio. I mean it's it's thirty minutes of cardio. You'll mm-hmm. gain some muscle out of it, but it's cardio, right? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say what. Well, whatever. PX ninety and insanity okay, okay, okay. and those modalities. You know, where, cause I got a guy at work, he was asking me about it. He was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing this new thing, the PX90. I said, that's great, mm-hmm. but can you keep up with it? Mm-hmm. You know, long term, do you think you can continue doing it every day for 45 minutes or three times a week or how, however you're doing it right now? And he's like, yeah, maybe. I was like, okay, but what are you eating too? Because yeah. eating has a yeah, large yeah, part. Yeah. He's like, oh no, I'm eating somewhat clean. I said, okay. 
So now somewhat clean plus 45 minutes of vigorous activity, mm-hmm. you know, four times a week. Can you do that for three months? Because after a month, you know, if you stop or if you reduce it, you're going to see everything tar- start to slow down. Because he was saying, oh, the scale's dropping a kilo every day or whatever, mm-hmm. which it's going to. I mean, water weight and all the other stuff. But in reality, when you look at those modalities, it's short-lived. Yeah. Unless you're an intense athlete that can keep up with it. So, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And the main reason is because it does, in some respects, it's going to teach your body to hold on to calories a little bit more once you get past that phase. You know what I mean? Well, Unless it doesn't. I mean, you're the expert, not me. So, okay, like you know, like I think I think we were ta- I don't know if we were talking about this on this on this podcast or before, but you know how I said like sometimes it's about sticking to the basics or like like stripping things down to the basics. Yeah, you said that so, right at the beginning. Yeah, the yeah, basics. Yeah. Yep. So. Before looking into metabolic damage, if someone like is training four to five times a week really intensely and reducing their calorie intake, they're going to be, they're going to be in a negative energy balance, which means they're going to be burning body fat or maybe even breaking down muscle for fuel. Okay. Once you, once they can't sustain that anymore, their energy deficit is going to decrease. Like they're, they're no longer going to be burning as much as much energy or as much calories as they were when they were training four to five times a week and in a calorie deficit from food. So, you know, why look at metabolic damage from that instead of just saying you stopped burning as much calories? So you're, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It can be metabolic damage if, like I said, if it's really prolonged. Like if it's really prolonged, they're not recovering, they're not fueling properly. Yes, you can get metabolic damage. I, you know, I think it's more complex than... It's more complex than that, but in the case that you're describing, I think it has more to do with energy expenditure than it has to do with metabolic damage. Okay, all right. I wasn't trying to offer an opinion on that. <laughs> I was just, I just, so, so just saying, like, if if you're going to do something like that, and then you say you do it for four weeks, like you might have a January New Year's resolution to do it for four, or weeks. to lose weight for the yeah. wedding that you're going to, and the guy knows who he knows. Yeah. He, he knows himself. Okay, so he's he knows. going to a wedding, and he's like, okay. yeah, you so, know. Yeah, so, like so say you have a you have a, like a, an, an event, event yeah. and like that's really really normal. Like I've trained loads of people over the last year who literally were training for wedding season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like if, if it gives you a goal to work for, then like like yeah. power to you. Like it's great. That's really good. Um, if it gives you a reason to actually go to the gym and start doing something, then whatever it is, fantastic. But um, say you have that event and you leave it till the last minute, you've got four weeks left. Like what you're trying to say is, okay, do whatever you got to do for, to increase your energy expenditure. Obviously, like eating clean or somewhat clean or making more effort than you're currently doing is mm-hmm. fantastic. But you have to be aware that when you stop doing that three times, 45 minutes a week or whatever, you can't continue to eat the same amount of food that you were eating because you're gonna your your energy intake is still gonna be high, but your energy output exactly. is gonna be much lower. Exactly. So if you're gonna stop, then you ha- that has to adjust. Exactly. Because it's okay to like stop it because yeah. you might change the exercise that you're doing. You might go to yoga, or you yeah. might you might kind of be burning less calories than exactly in your week. But then as long as your calories go down for your input, exactly, then you're still gonna see changes as long as that calorie balance is correct. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. So, <laughs> 80% of the population, do what Liam just said. <laughs> Don't go lose the weight for, you know, over four weeks. Because that's what most people do. They'll, they do. Go, they'll they do, do it for four weeks. Yeah. They'll lose the five or six kilos or whatever. Then they'll continue to eat the same. And then 
I mean, wait, just the, shoot exactly. right exactly. back. Exactly. The place you'll see it most is actually like over like a longer period of time with guys who were athletes, like mm-hmm. in high school. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like so they yeah. were like they were active all the way up until they were like twenty five, <laughs> and then like they like maybe like had a knee injury or something like that, and then they continue to eat oh the God, same yeah, amount, exactly. yeah. like yeah. for the next ten years, and then they're like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Like I just ate a little bit more, and then they try, <laughs> they try and go back in like straight back into like full time exercise, and then they injure themselves, exactly. and they're like, what the hell? And they're wondering why they got fat and why their knee yeah. still doesn't work, but they literally were doing everything right but then they stopped and then they just kept putting that energy in yeah so yeah that's that's probably where most see it and again especially probably in this region where you like have like especially with the guys you have like guys are fairly active they're playing football and everything like that up until end of high school and then after high school it's like end of finish yeah yeah, yeah it's like, so true. especially guys who go abroad to universities as well they play a lot of sport and they kind of they get into the sporting culture there and everything like that and then they come back home and then they literally it's just sit like on completely their butt. sedentary yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's nothing to do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um yeah so i think that's that's where it's kind of kind of tough for people but as long as you're adjusting your calorie intake exactly then actually you can do a little bit less whether if you and i mean you could probably um liken it to traveling as well like people tend to do a little bit less when they go traveling if they're going because people here go to london for a month or they'll go uh, like to thailand for like two or three weeks like longer than most people would go on kind of holidays Mm -hmm. and so they might not train for that period of time and so actually just as long as they're adjusting their calorie intake then actually you can continue to achieve your goals dude this was my first time i went to my wife me and my wife go to boston Austin every year we were talking about that yeah, earlier yeah. <laughs> and we went for four weeks and she's she's just gone on to like the whole strength binge for the last year so she's like i don't want to lose my strength yeah, yeah yeah and she was a beast in boston we were there for four weeks and she was going to the gym religiously every day at That's 6 a.m awesome. oh my god yeah she was like hardcore and it, w- it was great because it pushed me to go to the gym yeah. and it was the first time i went on holiday and I didn't gain the Fantastic Five. <laughs> yeah, usually I gain five kilos. Like holiday, like if I go to the States, I'm gaining five kilos just from, you know, yeah, I eat horribly. Yeah, I was just like, going to say. I eat horribly. Yeah, there is like you do enter a holiday mode. Like, you know, everyone, you know, you can't tell me that most people over the Christmas, Christmas period have not indulged. Just because like there's this whole vibe of let me just like relax, kick back, take a break. So... Man, as soon as you get to the airport now, now there's Picchio there. It's like <laughs> frozen yogurt. It's like, yeah, man, we're not sponsored by that, dude. <laughs> not yet, but Picchio, if you're listening, like I'm, I'm real interested. <laughs> You've got your number one fan over here. Big time. Actually, too. My kid loves Pick. Too. Yeah. So, all right, yeah. Since we're talking about Pick, all right, and nothing, nothing against them because I think their food's great. It's pretty yeah. clean from what I've seen. But what do you think of some of the dietitians or health? experts or physical trainers or you know whatever people in your industry mm-hmm. when they recommend processed foods to their clients such as like diet cookies or yeah. diet yogurt and you know and you're you're a nutritionist too yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I want your take on this because <laughs> I, I i can't say i know for a fact but my personal opinion is in the research that i've read is you know additives like sucralose mm-hmm. are bad for you mm-hmm. and all the other stuff you know the 50 other ingredients they yeah. put into these diet cookies or diet yogurts what does that do to your gut and like what does that do to your actual system um okay well first of all i don't like when these dietitians recommend these things i don't think they're doing it maliciously like i just genuinely think they don't know any better because you know like a lot of people ask 
like what course did I take to get into functional nutrition? Um, and I'm just like, it's just a lot of research that I've done and reading a lot. Because in university, they teach you energy in versus energy out. And then, then they also teach you like medical nutrition therapy. Wait, so they don't go into gut health? They don't go no. into... Really? No. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely insane, not. dude. Yeah. That's crazy. Not. It's a ve- like, even with medicine, like there's, it, there's still a very conventional approach where like you're not looking at the body as a whole, you're looking at the symptom. So if the symptom is weight gain, then reduce calories. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. maybe the symptom is actually, there are a lot of different causes that are resulting in these symptoms. Anyway, so I, yeah, I just don't think dietitians know any better. I don't think they're malicious and just like eat diet cookies because I want you no, to No, no, I know. You know, I know. What I mean? And, and that, that's what I was getting at. Like if you, if you don't know, like yeah. in your, in your field, when, when I go to a dietitian, like I have a family member that went to a dietitian and they're like, yeah, just eat KDD ice cream. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. okay. And I'm like, exactly. no, no, KDD ice cream exactly. is not okay. Exactly. Because you're still consuming processed sugar. You're still consuming all that crap that shouldn't be in your body, yeah, yeah. essentially. So it's like these are people of, um, like they're people of influence. Exactly. And I know they're sending out some of the wrong messages to I know. people, and it's you know it could, it could make things worse. I know. Um, and it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that was actually like, that's widespread, especially in the Middle East where, oh, I, okay, let me just talk about Kuwait. Like one of the reasons that I was actually worried about seeing clients in Kuwait was because I was like, you know, who's going to listen to me when I, t- when I tell them not to eat gluten when every other dietitian is like, eat a piece of toast yeah. with cheese for breakfast. And then if you want McDonald's, you can have it three times a week. Just make sure it's like the small cheese. Wait, you're kidding me. I no. swear no, on my life. No, you are kidding me, dude. 100%. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. I'm dead serious. Liam, we got a lot of work to do, buddy. It's all, like, <laughs> it's all about like if it fits your macros or like calorie reduction. I have, I mean, I personally haven't met any other nutritionist in Kuwait that focuses on improving health through food as opposed to getting results through either calorie reduction or calorie manipulation or macro, like uh, changing up your macros. But yeah, like I was genuinely scared. I was like, you know, nobody's going to listen to me when you have like literally like 20 other dietitians telling you can have McDonald's three times a week. But thankfully... That is scary as hell. It is really scary. That is really scary. I know. Now I know why my family members aren't losing weight, dude. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now now I understand it. Now I'm getting it. It's that is that that freaks me out because these are people of like you go to a doctor and you want like you want the information. You want the right thing. And then you take what they say and you're like, okay, the doctor said I have to do this. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have like full trust and faith in you. And then, you know, maybe these changes have a good short term effect where being in a calorie reduction will help you or where, um, you know, you'll be able to sustain your diet because you're able to have everything, you know, everything that you like or sugar or fast food. But the fact of the matter is processed foods will have a long term detrimental effect on your health and they will give you the opposite of what you want. If, you know, like six months to like two years or 10 years down the line, depending on how well you process toxins and how good your detoxification pathways are. Yeah, but they can affect your body in so many different ways. Um, You mentioned gut health. So artificial sweeteners can actually alter your gut microbiome. And we know that your gut microbiome has a lot to do with inflammation, has a lot to do with how you extract nutrients from foods. We know that processed foods are inflammatory and inflammation can mess with your hormones. Like if, if you're in a constant state of inflammation, like for men especially, you will aromatize estrogen. Which means okay. whatever you, you might be producing testosterone completely um, normally, but whatever testosterone you're producing, like a larger portion of it or a larger portion of like more than 
more than what should be happening. Your body's switching the testosterone to estrogen. So you end up with symptoms of high estrogen, like body fat distribution, um, and symptoms of low testosterone, even though your production of it is perfectly fine. And we know that like inflammatory or inflammation is an underlying pathway for a lot of diseases, um, including autoimmune diseases. Something like Hashimoto's where your body attacks the thyroid gland and you lose thyroid function, which means you're going to, you know, if you don't address it from a functional perspective and you just like trust a, trust a conventional doctor, you'll be on medication for the rest of your life. And still, you know, you're still going to struggle with symptoms of hypothyroidism, like difficulty losing weight. What else? And yeah, toxic, you know, like processed foods has a lot of toxins. It has pesticides, it has hormone disruptors, it has, you know, estrogens. So women can get symptoms of estrogen dominance or like PMS or PCOS or infertility issues. What's PCOS? Polycystic ovary syndrome, where they have... Where, okay, because I'm okay. looking at you like with two heads. I'm like, all right, I, I don't really, we don't know. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. so if you okay. could explain that to the females that listen to the show, okay. that would be awesome. Okay. Um, especially how it can mess with their PMS symptoms or their PSOS. PCOS, yeah. PCOS. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, looking so at me like, it's so interesting to me. <laughs> Where's Meg like, when you need her? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Jesus. Um, okay, PCOS. PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. You may have, like exactly as the name says, a lot of cysts on your ovaries, or you may just have symptoms of PCOS without actually having to, you know, more than usual cysts. The symptoms of PMS include things like acne, weight gain, especially around the middle. You get symptoms of like male male hair pattern growth, like hair on your chin, you know, a thicker mustache. Um, you get male pattern baldness, so like you start losing hair where men would usually lose hair if they were aging. And the pathophysiology of that, which basically means how you get PCOS, is usually one of two things. It usually is a result of chronic inflammation or a result of insulin resistance. And inflammation affects or contributes to insulin resistance. And when you have insulin resistance, you basically um, affect your ovaries' ability to... Well, they produce more testosterone than they should. And with insulin resistance, you actually, like, generally will produce more testosterone for a female. So... Wow, that, wow, that's that the idea. Yeah, yeah. I hope that clarifies it to yeah. females. I yeah, mean. <laughs> so, so if you have PCOS, like they'll usually go to a doctor and the doctor will just put them on um, something that improves um, their insulin resistance. So what can women do? Like, what, what is there First a doctor they can go to? Like, they can come the, to me. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. all right. There's your plug-in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Accepting DMs. <laughs> In Dubai and Kuwait. In Dubai and Kuwait, yeah. Yeah, so like what they would do is like first and foremost, clean up their diet. Again, this is a condition where depending on their insulin levels and depending on their blood sugar levels, like these women will may or or, or let me say will most likely do better on a low carb diet. And while they're on a low carb diet, you provide their body with nutraceuticals, which improve their insulin sensitivity. That means when they reintroduce carbohydrates, they can actually process them and use them for energy. Because otherwise, the more carbs and uh, sugars they eat, the worse their symptoms are going to get. And yeah, that's reduce some, inflammation. That's it's, some deep stuff right there. I, I, yeah, but like it's it's pretty simple. That's like, a lot. When, you got to come back on the show. We got to <laughs> we got to we got to do a whole like a whole episode <laughs> just on like stuff like that because we're running out of time right now. Okay. So I wanted to get in uh, one two lap two questions okay. two okay, more okay, questions. Okay. One of them are one of them is if you had to pick three supplements, high quality fish oil. And I and I do say high quality fish oil, not the cheap stuff. Like this is not stuff you want to skimp do on. Do you put it in the freezer so that no. if it no 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 does no. that does that do anything? Like I've read somewhere, if I you mean, put it in the freezer and it doesn't freeze up, 
that means it's pretty good. Oh, I've never heard of that. That's what I heard, and I read it on a blog, and I tried it yeah. with two different supplements. Yeah. And sure as hell, one of them, which is a supplement that's widely sold here, yeah, yeah, yeah. froze up, and the other one didn't. So. That is so interesting. I, I actually don't know. Um, the way that I make sure that I'm getting good quality supplements is that I deal with like three supplement companies because like you can trace you can trace where they got their supplements from, and I think each bottle has its own. Not each bottle, sorry. Each product has its own like certificate of. Okay. I'm not exactly sure, but it's That's a, fine. it's a certificate. Okay. <laughs> um, so omega threes. Yeah, good quality fish oil, magnesium. Okay. I got that. All, with, I, I got that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it helps yep. with sleep. Like it's um, most people are deficient in magnesium, and it's good for like recovery. It's good for sleeping. It's good for hormonal function. Um, it's good for like metabolizing estrogen or metabolizing bad estrogen. Um, and it's really, really good for PMS. And it's also been shown to reverse depression. In oh, two okay. weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. If you take like high dose, like 600 milligrams a day, even women. Okay, I'm not going to give specific doses. Yeah, I was just going to say everybody out there, there's no specific dosing. Yeah. None of this is medical medical advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of this is medical advice. Liam, you okay with that, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he, he usually, he usually, he, he pipes me down when really? I'm like, yeah, when I go and stuff like that, he's like, no, nah, man. He's like, no, nah, keep down. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, the, it's, it's, I think we came, we, Talks about it earlier where people will take like something like that and be like, okay, like, I exactly. have to have six hundred. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. No, no, no. And everyone's obviously different. Yeah. And you're just kind of referring to. I'm a referring study, to a study, exactly. A yeah. study that was yeah. made based on a high dosage that, like, it kind of proved that this happened, but exactly. actually, it could happen at lower dosages yes. depending on the person as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and hmm, what's the third Number one that three. I would recommend? Probably just a really good multivitamin. Right, because okay, even cool. if you eat really clean and you eat really well, like the, our soil no longer has um, a really good amount of minerals and vitamins. So crazy, crazy statistic. I don't know if it's a statistic, but crazy piece of information. <laughs> Tough getting that one out. <laughs> <laughs> to get the same amount of nutrients from one peach from the 1950s or like 1960s, you have to eat 53 peaches. Oh, that makes sense, dude. That That's totally crazy. makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Paul Check? Yes, yes, yes. I Paul Check is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he talks about that in length about how our soil's been stripped away of all the exactly. nutrients and everything. Yeah. It's so true. We've destroyed yeah. so much of it. So it makes complete and utter sense. But yeah. yeah. So, so those, good multivitamin. those are the three. Yeah. And now the next question is what is your current project? As we are the, the project <laughs> Kuwait, trying to make Kuwait our project and bringing them smart people like yourself. What What's is my your project? project? Um, you're putting me on this spot. Okay, my current project. Um, I am planning. Well, I'm we working tend to on do getting. That. Yeah. So you said you might. You're kind of starting to work on bringing your business over to Kuwait, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So my current project is to be um, to split my time evenly between Dubai and Kuwait. Eventually, with the intention of moving back to Kuwait full time, I would. Yeah, I'm honestly just working on like developing my brand. And by that, I don't mean like a brand to like market or sell, but just like making sure that as I grow, I stay authentic to myself. I give out like good, practical, implementable like information. And I also have a project of trying to put on two kilos of lean muscle mass. So. Oh, all the eggs and steak. <laughs> yeah, the eggs and steak. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, that's awesome. And I, lo- I love what you said. And that's, that's why, you know, I wanted you on the show because Thank you. you don't sell. You're not, no, 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 you're not a seller. Yeah. You're not, yeah. you're not, you know, you're not a, a snake oil salesman <laughs> that's, that's out there trying to sell themselves 24 hours. Exactly. And I think that's, that's, that's the best part about some of the people like you, you know, like Thanks. you're not on there just promoting yourself. Hey, you know, DM me. So you get yeah, your, yeah, yeah. so you get, you know, you come in and whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, like yeah. You're, you, yeah. You, know, you keep it real, which is awesome. Thanks. So I, I try mean, to. 
It was great having you on the show. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. This was awesome. De- definitely a phenomenal yeah. experience. And I know I have a whole list of other okay, questions good. for you. <laughs> like, without a doubt. Yeah, I think we're going to need you back on. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I'm going to bring I'm going to bring another female on if Meg's awesome. not back. Yeah, I'll yeah, bring yeah. a female on so she can ask the questions we definitely didn't. Ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's a good idea that we do we do ask the questions because we actually have like very little knowledge on kind of like female hormone side of things yeah. and everything as well. So because I know there's a lot of guys who are actually very interested in that from a guy's perspective about like how they can help like their like female partners and mum, their, their yeah, wives, yeah, yeah. whatever it might be, their sisters okay. and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who like they're kind of say like the brothers or whatever might be in the fitness industry, but they're trying to help their families. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. actually like kind of having a knowledge of that, and I don't think we should just think that only women want a knowledge. Oh, no, but I'm also, sure, yeah, men so, definitely do. And yeah. it's stigmatized in our yeah. society, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes. And I, that's, that's one thing. Like, if you could come back on and just talk about female hormones, female hormones, hormones and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I think that would be beneficial for oh, a lot yeah, of women. Really well, I, I'd also like to talk about male hormones as well. Because in my field, like, especially when it comes to, like, functional nutrition or um, anything functional, I see, I actually see the opposite. I see a lot of people focusing on female hormones because they are really complicated. Like, a man's hormones changes, um, like, six times in a day. But a woman's hormones changes over a 28-day cycle. Like, that's oh, wow. intense. Like, yeah. Yeah. a man will relatively, like, be in the same mood day after day whereas a woman's mood or um the way that she feels or you know like mental symptoms or physical symptoms or, or whatever change on a 28 day cycle so because it's being so married complex, for 12 years yeah. well being married for seven eight years like, i know, you know yeah. so, i'm very aware of yeah that. i hope Kay is not listening to this part I, yeah. um but yeah i feel like because it's so complicated there's so much attention um focused on females but there's actually like like equal amounts of information about male hormones and about like the um like the brain like like I said the HPG axis and yeah. how to enhance your testosterone levels and you know when is the right time to take testosterone injectables or testosterone replacement therapy like a lot of guys don't know that if you take testosterone it actually acts as a male form of birth control like it sterilizes you within like three to four months and it's really difficult to get your your like function back wait really yeah wow wow and you know what? Some there was a study that showed twenty five percent of urologists were actually prescribing testosterone therapy for men with infertility because they don't understand how the male body works. Oh my um, god! And it actually makes them infertile. Yeah. So um. So yeah, there's still like there's you know I don't because I'm a female I don't be pigeonholed into talking about female issues as well. Like I would also like no, to like discuss awesome. like you know male issues because that's also under underreported. Now, I got a couple questions for you after the show with, okay, okay, uh, with some cool. of the supp- supplements that yeah, I'm taking yeah, yeah. before a competition that's coming up. <laughs> so I, I, w- I went out and I got my, my subs for, for the month. And I, yeah, I'll run them yeah, by yeah, you we'll later discuss. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, definitely. But no, it was great having you on the show. Thank you so and much. Hopefully we can get you back on here. Would you like yeah, to come back? I on? would love to come yeah, back. I'll put you here. on I the spot. So much <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. Imagine she's like, oh, okay. dude, I'm never coming back on this show again. You guys suck. You know, like you got you got the American, the Brit over here. What's going on? <laughs> no, I had so much fun. All right, that's awesome. Great, cool. great. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.